Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Thank you for serving. Even if you weren't there physically, uh, you were there through your giving. Every one of you participated in one way or another. Uh, I want to recognize just a cool, some cool figures from yesterday. Uh, Zach, our Celebrate Recovery pastor, said that through Celebrate Recovery and the drop that we did, we gave away over 3,000 pounds of laundry detergent. Uh, that's fun. And then uh, Josh, who ran the uh, drive for the diapers and wipes, I love how he counted this out. Like each one, he said, S- we, get, or we got 7,059 diapers and 24,332 wipes. I thought that was fun. Uh, Susan texts me that uh, we helped 180 families uh, in the drive-thru, 700 people. Uh, so just way to go. It's just amazing when we come together. I wanted to recognize the Bloomer Baptist Youth Group from Bloomer, Wisconsin, who drove down there from the jump rope capital of the world uh, to help us with our serve day. So we had a, a serve team come from Wisconsin to help us pull off serve day. I think that's so neat. So come on, at least a big Rockbrook thanks to them. And uh, thanks for wearing your serve shirts yesterday. Uh, that's a testimony in and of itself. After my surf project was done, I went and picked up lunch for another surf team that was doing. They were working so hard, and I went into a restaurant and said, I'll take 25 number ones. And uh, the young guy behind the counter was kind of stunned, and he goes, I don't think we got the bread for that. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, could you make bread? And, and he's like, well, then what about all the people in the lunch rush? And I uh, said, so, well, do, you, do I need to go somewhere else? And this lady from behind the counter looks out, and she goes, oh, they're... He's one of those serving people. They're doing surf projects, like you've seen him around. They're doing projects and stuff today. And she looks at me and goes, we'll do it. And uh, I love that. I love that. One of those serving people. Like, that's one of the best things anyone's ever called me, you know? And one of my favorite things about Serve Day is the things that flow from it. Um, you know, the, the connections, the ideas, and Maybe you or your small group got a taste of a, a need that you can follow up with or someone that you can follow up with and continue to minister to, uh, maybe immediately, maybe next semester, or uh, I just love the connections that are made. And uh, I'd love for you, I, I've got this already for you planners, you people who ask way out in advance, next year's serve day, here's the date, all right? We're going to do that Saturday, July 16th. Come on, get that in your calendar. I was there first. Like when other people ask you, can we go on this trip or whatever, like, no, Pastor Ryland got to me first, and I got this date in there, so. All right, I've got a word uh, burning in my heart, and I'm excited to bring it. This message is for anyone who has a worry in their life. Uh, This message is for someone who has a problem in their life right now. Uh, This message is for someone who's dealing with the heaviness of life. Uh, This message is titled, Lifting the Heaviness. In the book of Isaiah, there's an amazing prophecy about Jesus. The prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before Christ, saw Christ and saw what uh, Christ would produce in our lives. And he says in Isaiah 61.3, this Christ is going to give them, give people, the oil of joy from mourning, 
the oil of joy, the oil soothes. Oil is soothing. And oil covers areas of our lives that are hurting. And so many are mourning. Even though there are reasons to mourn, there is an oil of joy that soothes. And uh, say these three words with me, a garment of praise. A garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And there is a spirit of heaviness. A friend told me once, oh, you're a Christian. You think everything's spiritual. And um, I, it made me laugh because they kind of said the same thing about Isaiah too. And uh, you can look through history and he, he was right. Uh, there, is, there is a spiritual element. There's an unseen world, unseen thing trying to go, going on, a spirit of heaviness trying to eliminate people, depress people, distress people. Uh, and it's more than just circumstances. I mean, to be able to look at the world and see all the evil that's happening and say, well, that's just economies and politics and uh, situations or to look into someone's life and just say, well, that's just their neighbor's barking dog driving them nuts. Like, no, there's obviously something, there's something deeper going on. There's more than that. There is a spirit of heaviness where the enemy is trying to destroy our lives. And Jesus has come to bring us something that soothes, an oil of joy in the middle of that. And it's a garment, a garment that you have to put on. It's within reach. You can have it. Probably not on you now, meaning you don't feel it, you don't have it, but you got to put on the garment of praise. It's, it's not a feeling of like, well, I, I'm into this or not into this, or I like this song, don't like this song, or I, I, I'm choosing, uh, you know, that like there's a choice to it of putting on a garment of praise, a choice where you could walk in to a situation with God in one condition and walk out in another. We're in a series called Songs of the Summer where we're looking at the songbook of the Bible, a collection of songs called the Psalms. Psalm means sacred song. The Psalms is a book of praise. Let's look at, at Psalm 95 for a moment. It says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. And look at what's happening here. You don't even start with what you need. Like you don't start with your needs. You start with what God has done. Praise him, extol him for what he's already done. Verse 3, for the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. But now it goes deeper and deeper, and it transforms of, yes, come before him with worship and, and tell him your need. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are his people. We are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care, that God does care about our needs but it's a trick of the enemy to miss the praise in life to miss the praise in your life we praise God for what he's done it's not about us it's not even about what we need it's about him it's why we come in and we sing you came to my rescue it's not you will come to my rescue not I came to my rescue if we praise him for what he's done praise forever to the king of kings and to where maybe we come into the room not thinking 
uh, he, God was all that awesome. But praise changes it, and it puts it into, into perspective of maybe we come into worship and our problems seem bigger than God, but through praising him, a transition happens to where, no, God is bigger than my problems. It puts God in his rightful place and puts my problems in their rightful place. This is why praise is also sung to one another. Uh, we sing it to one another. That's why it's so awesome to be in the room. I'm so grateful for technology and playlists and Christian radio. I'm so thankful that this is going out uh, through an online experience to others. But if you can be in the room, you ought to get in the room. And the fact the Bible says to make it a habit, to make it a habit. That's why we do it at the start of every week, not even some of the weeks, but every week. Because there's a part of the worship experience that is praise, where as a church, it's not just you and God, it's you and us. I need you. I can't praise. I can't praise without you. And these dynamics are important. Praise is a choice. Now worship, the purpose of worship, is something a believer naturally wants to do. But praise is that worship expressed. It takes a choice to push through the heaviness of life. And today I want to I want to talk you in to being a person of praise, a person who can praise God. Because if you can get on this garment of praise, the spirit of heaviness that's on our lives, that's on our families, that's on our emotions, that's on our minds, it begins to lift in Jesus' name. Why? Why does praise work? Uh, let me give you three reasons. If you're taking notes, write this in. Praise focuses on God, not me. The whole part of praise is that it's not about me. Now God cares about me. God cares about you. But you'll get joy when you get your eyes off of you and on God. And we could sit around all day and talk about everything that's wrong in our lives or we can come into a place where we talk about the greatness of God. Why can I praise even when life is heavy? Why can one praise even when they're worried because God is working on that stuff I I can praise and give it to him let God worry about it you know why can I sleep even when I'm I'm worried because God's staying up I might as well go to sleep give it to him let him worry about it and in praise we turn all of our attention to God and what he's worthy of being able to do Praise focuses on God, which, by the way, is why we shouldn't do anything in a worship service that draws all of the attention onto us. When we do that, our eyes are no longer on God, but on an individual. It's why we do things that, that help point other people in the room that we're standing with to God, not us. And we'll talk about what those are and the, the postures of praise, the meanings of praise. In Psalm 50, 23, it says, those who sacrifice thank offerings, God says, I like it. It honors me. So we make part of what we do through praise, through music. Let's make it about God, not only about us. Let's honor him. Let me give you another one. Why does praise work? That is praise reminds me of the eternal, not the temporal. When I praise, uh, I make some declarations that are eternally true, 
they may not be true about my life right in that moment. For instance, you come in and say, God, you're great, and I've got the victory. Well, no, you don't. You argued with your spouse all the way to church, right? Or you're like, you're so mad, you want to slug everybody in your row. Like there's something that you're saying that's eternally true that may not be true in that one specific moment. But if you get your eyes off the temporary every once in a while, because the truth is that the anger that you might have in that moment is temporary. The argument that you're in is temporary. The body that we're in, the way it is, is temporary. It's a discipline of the Christian life we must learn that it's not working out, but it's going to work out. I'm not going to give all my commentary all my focus, all my attention to where I am right now, but to where I'm going. And the book of Psalms and many other places in Scripture show us how songs help us break uh, through the temporary, through the temporal, to be encouraged by the eternal. Now don't overhear this. God cares about the temporal. And what we do in this life does matter. But this is not all there is. This is, but this is why there are parts of worship where we declare our need for God in the situation that we're in, but we also focus on the eternal promises that he's given us. The Apostle Paul lays this out so wonderfully in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, we're hard-pressed on every side. He says, I'm pressed in on this side, on this side, on this side, on this side. But still, I'm not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And if I could go back and tell myself anything in different seasons of life, it would be this right here. In a weak moment of faith, or or moments of doubt, or or a hard moment, just say, Ryland, you're... You're perplexed, but you're not in despair. It's going to be okay. Uh, A a moment where, man, you feel like this is over. It's coming to an end. Maybe you feel like that persecute. feel like you're going to die. No, you're not abandoned. Uh, I wish I could go back and say, uh, Ryland, cheer up. Take heart that, yes, you've been struck down. Yes, you're down, but you're not out. It's not over. And some of you need this today. You need to hear that today, that it's not over. That yes, you're pressed on every side, and yes, it hurts, but it's not all there is, and it's not done, and you're not crushed, and there is not despair. Okay, so Paul, how do you get to that place where this is your outlook and your perspective? Paul tells us in verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all, meaning that our now is producing a then, and then is better than now. So what do we do? So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I don't focus on the temporal, I focus on the eternal. This is why praise, uh, it just transforms you in the moment into an optimistic person. Because you realize that, yeah, it may not be working out, but it's going to work out. 
God is strong. He will not let me down. It's very, very important in the life of a Christian to have an eternal perspective. Praise focuses on God, not me. Praise reminds me of the eternal, not the temporal. And then this, praise is outward, not inward. Praise is outward. It's an outward expression of worship. You've got worship in your heart, worship in your mind. You've got to, the Bible tells us, get that out of the heart and mind into your hands, into your mouth, into your actions. Many have learned how um, to declare God is worthy, to worship Him, but they forgot how to express it through praise. The Bible says through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a what? A sacrifice of praise. And this means you're not always going to want to do it. It's a sacrificial choice. We sacrifice, it's a sacrifice of praise. So in the middle of your worst day, it's not what you're going to want to do, but it's the thing that lifts the heaviness. And maybe on your best day, it's not the thing that you're going to want to do. You're busy, you're successful, you've got better things to do. That's why it's a sacrifice. And you say, well, can't I just keep that in here? Can't, I, can't that just stay between me and God? Well, no, the sacrifice of praise is the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And of course, that's why you're in church today. Now, um, there are no expectations in our, any, any specific action in our worship services. We're going through the Psalms this summer, and I'm showing you what we know about praise from Scripture and so there's no expectation on any, one on any one individual of their expression of praise. But I am urging you to take a step toward what the Bible says praise is. And I want you to have the oil of joy in the presence of God. And I'll tell you, when you choose to praise God, all of hell is coming against you and some of earth is too. Even in Jesus' day, this was an issue. In fact, the day that we call Palm Sunday, that we celebrate the weekend before Easter, uh, it, it's because they got palm branches out and celebrated Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. In fact, here's what the disciples did. It says this in Luke 19. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. And then, they start singing two lines from the psalm, Psalm 118 and Psalm 148. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And then the Pharisees, these religious leaders, uh, says this. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Uh, get them under control. And the enemy wants you rebuked for praising Jesus. While Jesus is trying to give this garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. And Jesus said, I tell you, he replied, even if they keep quiet, the stones would cry out. Jesus is, is entering Jerusalem. He's setting up his eternal kingdom on earth. And he's saying there's going to be celebration. There's going to be praise today either way. Now, You'll often hear preachers, 
uh, when preaching the Bible, uh, point to a verse in Scripture, and they'll say, uh, in the Greek, this means that, or in the Hebrew, this means that. Why, why do we do that? That's because the Bible was not originally written in English. None of this happened in North America, in England, in English-speaking land. Uh, the accounts of the Bible happened in the Middle East, and the language of the nation of Israel was the Hebrew language. Most of the Old Testament is written in the Hebrew language. Then in the New Testament, because Greeks were influencing education and culture at the time, the New Testament is written in Greek. The reason why that's important is because the Greek language has four times as many words in it as the English language. So when you hear certain words, there's several different words for that in the Greek. For instance, this is a famous example, you've maybe heard this one. When you have a word like love, when you see love in English, well, that could be, you know, three, four different words in the Greek. It could be the word agape, which means the unconditional love of God. There's the word love in the English. You just get love, but that could be the word uh, eros, which means we get the word erotic from that, which you know what that means. It could be the word phileo, which is like a brotherly love. There's no intimacy to it, just that you're a true friend. So same word in the English, different words in the Greek. And thank God for Bible translators who sit down and study and study and study. Because if you're a Bible translator, you don't just get to translate from one language into another. You have to have all these footnotes, all these sources, all this documentation on what manuscripts you used and why you chose which words you did and how you arrived at that translation. And it's a science. It's absolutely a science. Textual criticism. These scientists are amazing. Now, the Hebrew language, the book of Psalms is in the Old Testament. It's written in Hebrew. The Hebrew language is very expressive. It's called a pictorial language, meaning it can, in some instances, take a whole paragraph to describe what one word means. So the word praise, in the English, you get the word praise. In the largest book of the Bible, the Psalms, the biggest book, what we're talking about, 150 chapters, the praise book of the Bible, but in English, you just get the word praise. But there are several different Hebrew words that are translated into one word, praise. So here's a picture of my concordance in my library on the praise page. So you can open it up to the English word praise and it'll show you everywhere in, in this translation that the word praise shows up. Here's the book of Psalms starting here, all the way down here, this whole thing all the way to here. And then plus you've got praised, praises, praiseworthy, praising. And it'll show you every time that word shows up, praise shows up in the book of Psalms and it gives you a number. Then you flip to the back of the book, see the number, and it shows what Hebrew word that was and gives you the definition. And then you go back to the translation you read and then you've done all that work and you realize, oh, these translators, translators are pretty good because they built that into the translation and it just means what it says. <laughs> like, you can count on your, it's amazing how God has preserved the Bible for us and someone who's an English reader can sit down with an English Bible. You can be totally confident what you're, what you're reading. 
But what I want to show you today is that there are a lot of words for praise. Now, some of these are duplicates. So there's not this many words for praise, but there are several. So I say all this to tell you why and how I'm showing you the meanings of praise today. So like in the Hebrew language, you'll read praise, but it might be the word Hillel, which is where we get the word hallelujah. And the Yah at the end stands for God. Hallelujah, praise be to God. And Hillel means to thank, to cheer, to boast, to be clamorous, not glamorous, but clamorous. In the Hebrew, you, you might get that word. You might get another word for praise that means to acknowledge in public. That's the Hebrew word yada. Not yoda, but yada. Yada means to acknowledge God in public, in front of other people. Again, some people think, oh, I'm just going to keep this down in my heart because my faith is private. Well, I'm sorry. God says you need to praise me in public. Even Jesus said, if you can't acknowledge me in front of other people, I can't acknowledge you in front of other people. Psalm 35, 18 says, I will give you thanks in the great assembly. Among the throngs, I will praise you. You get this. That's why you're in church today. Praise God with others. Another word you might see means to bless by kneeling or bowing, which you could physically do, but the posture you're taking on here is you're presenting yourself to the king with an expectation of, wow, God, you are so generous and amazing. I will barach you. That's what that word is. It, 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 one of our favorite psalms around here in this church is Psalm 103. And it's, it's, you are such a generous, amazing God. In Psalm 103, I will barach the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. And then it goes on to list all these different benefits that you get because you came in under God. You came in under his care. You kneeled, you bowed down, you submitted yourself to him. And then you leave with all these other benefits that he's given you because you came in and praised him. Isn't that a great word? Isn't that great? Another word in the Hebrew is zamar, which means to make music to God with instruments, with stringed instruments. Psalm 92.1, it is good to praise the Lord and then here you see it, make music to your name, O Most High. There's so many psalms say, praise him with the clash of cymbals, praise him with resounding cymbals, praise him with the trumpet, praise him with the harp, praise him with the lyre. God loves it. In Revelation it says, the sound of heaven is like a thousand waterfalls and the, the sound of harpists playing their harps. Another word is shabach, and it means to address in a loud tone, to shout. This is why um, when your loved one comes home from a trip and they've been gone for a month and you pick them up at the airport and you've just missed them so bad and they come around the corner, you don't go, nice to see you. <laughs> like this week I saw a friend that uh, I haven't seen since the beginning of the pandemic. And uh, the, they were home visiting their parents. And I walked into their parents' house. And, uh, and he's not like a real boisterous guy. But, uh, man, we hadn't seen each other for so long. Ha! Nice to see you! Gives me a big bear hug. His kids, yes! This is why when, when your kids tell you that you're going to be a grandparent, 
You don't say, congratulations. <laughs> no, why your eyes well up. You're like, yes, this is a dream come true. Or when your kid worked hard to get their grade up. I, I just, I remember as a kid and just those things where you worked hard to, man, you had a failure in one area and you worked it up and the family celebrated. Your kid works hard on the soccer field and you, you praise them and that is so good. I'm going to praise my kids. I'm going to praise others. I'm going to cheer them on. I'm going to acknowledge them. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to shout for joy. I'm not going to cut God short. Psalm 63, three through four. Lord, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. That's another word uh, of praise. That's another, another word praise means to extend hands in adoration. It's the word toda. Psalm 50, 23. He who offers praise, he who offers praise glorifies me. And to him that orders his conversation aright, I will show the salvation of the Lord. He who extends his hands, who acknowledges me, who reaches for me. Come on, we know this, we understand this, just like a child extending their hands to their father. God loves it when we glorify him, when we reach for him, when we say, God, you are elevated, you are above all others. God, I surrender to you. God, get me out of here. <laughs> and maybe you'd say, well, um, I, I would do those things. I mean, I if I were one of the disciples and Jesus was right in front of me. But David and the other psalmists, they didn't have that. They didn't have the presence of Jesus right in front of them. That's why David's called a man after God's own heart because he would pray to God, worship God, praise God as though God were there, the faith that he had. Another word, I'll show you one more, is tehillah, and it means to sing exuberantly. God loves exuberant singing. It's why Christianity is a singing faith. Every, every church around the world today is singing. I, I knew a church planter once that uh, he wanted to plant a church with no singing. He said, we're just going to worship God with our minds and our thoughts, and this is just going to be a teaching church. And then I saw him again a year later, and I asked him how that was going. And he said, oh yeah, we sing all the time. I couldn't keep him quiet. <laughs> Christianity is a singing faith. Now look up here. These things are, this is in scripture. We see these actions all throughout the Psalms. These postures all throughout the Psalms. God likes it so much, he, he put it in his eternal word. And if you'll be a worshiper and you'll express that through praise, you'll begin to sense the burden of heaviness begin to lift. I make this choice on the darkest day. Some of my worst days, I said, God, I'm going to bring you a sacrifice of praise. I don't feel it. I don't understand what's going on. God, I don't even know that I understand you right now, but I bring you a sacrifice of praise. There's even, I mean, you have this too. There's some specific songs I go to. I will look up, for there is none above you. I will bow down to tell you that I need you. You're still Jesus, Lord of all. There's some Morris Chapman songs that, man, if, 
Lauren, she'll come home from work. Maybe she hears them here in the, play, here in the house. She goes, no, there's a sacrifice of praise going on today. <laughs> I learned it from the psalmist. You learned it from the psalmist. Like I'll close today with an example where, where David does this. And it's where David is down. He's really disturbed. He is upset. He is disappointed. And he says in Psalm 42, As the deer pants for streams of water, my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? And it's just a beautiful reminder that when your soul is downcast, when you are down, only God can quench the real thirst of your soul. A downcast soul is a picture of a soul panting for God. And when you feel that way, you realize again, I need what only God can provide. I need, uh, I need his presence. I need to be with his people. And you begin to seek him with the same passion as you would water when you are thirsty. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. There's the sacrifice of praise. I will yet praise him. Yes, I'm going through this darkness. I will yet praise him. Yes, I don't even know if I have the faith to go on. I will yet praise him. Yes, I'm confused right now. I will yet praise him. Yes, I'm doubting. I will yet praise him. Will you say these words with me? I will yet praise him. That's something that you can control. There's so much in life that we don't get to control. We can't control the weather. Can't control our spouse can't control the economy, can't control politics, can't control work, can't control your health. What can we control? How we respond to each one of those things. The only part of our life we can control is our response. And I want my response to be, I will yet praise him. Would you pray with me? Father, today I want to pray for the person who has uh, more than they think they can handle. A spirit of heaviness, of darkness, uh, that's deeper than they think uh, they can handle, deeper than they've ever experienced. And Father, as difficult as it may be, uh, we choose a sacrifice of praise. We choose purpose and praise today. We want beyond what the world can give. And God, we recognize again that when we are thirsty, it, it is for ultimately what only God can provide. And God, we just come before you again and recognize that the reason why some of this is so hard is because we want to control parts of our life that we can't control. And so God, we just give you everything. That, that's what salvation is, is when we say, not our way, but your way that you are Lord. So would you just pray that to him today? God, I'm giving you the control of my life. I want to follow you as much as I know how, Lord, I trust you. 
You gave me your life through the cross, through the resurrection. Lord, I give you mine. You gave me your life. I give you mine. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.